0: Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe.
1: What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bree. I'll be your host today, and I am here with Billy from Fitness Together in Connecticut. What's up, Billy? How are you today?
2: Uh, Great. How are you?
1: Doing well, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to join us. I appreciate it.
2: Sure. Thanks for having me.
1: Of course. All righty. So let's jump into the details here. What is it that made you want to own your own facility? How did you get started?
2: <laughs> it's kind of a funny question for me because um, it, 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 it just kind of happened. Uh, I, so, I, so, just to kind of forewarn you, I've, I've broken a lot of the rules um, of the game as I've climbed the ladder, so to speak, because when you talk to a lot of business leaders and coaches, they talk about how you have to have a plan and you implement the plan and have contingencies in place. And and I never really had that. So I, this just kind of happened. Um, I got into the fitness industry back in 2003, I was a, a trainer at a small gym chain. I traveled between all four of their locations every week. Um, I left there and went to now where I am now, which is a private studio a month after it had opened in 2006. Um, and i was happy being a trainer there he uh the the owner sold to someone else um i i stayed as a trainer and then he sold again to somebody else right around the economic downturn of 2008 mm-hmm. to 2009 where a lot of places we we actually had a lot of locations shut down because they couldn't handle the um the loss of of clients and revenue with everybody pulling their money back uh because Great. of the stock market crash so um so we we got a new owner. We we barely kept our doors open. Um, who who made me the manager? Mm-hmm. And um, the the first year was was a struggle. Uh, part of it was the environment. The economy uh, was not doing was was still not really good. This was 2010. And part of it was me because I didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, as far as business goes, you know, I was a fantastic right. trainer, I had no problem getting results from clients and keeping them mm-hmm. you know, excited. But the business end of things a totally different uh, yes. piece of the pie that a lot of people uh, don't don't understand, at least mm-hmm. and, and I know I didn't. So I had to get some mentoring from from my, my boss then and, uh, and a consultant he hired and 2011 we we grew very quickly i think i think it was over close to 70 percent which was which is wow. phenomenal. yeah and a lot of it was me just getting rid of a bunch of head trash in my head mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and then a couple of years after that in 2012 he sat me down and said he didn't want to do the same or he wanted to sell it and he asked if uh, you know, what I thought about that. And I'm like, well, I don't want to go through another ownership change. So I got to figure out what I want to do. And he said, well, yeah. well why don't, why don't you think about owning it? I said, that'd be great, but I don't have the capital for that kind of thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm on a trainer salary for,
1: you yeah, know, for right.
2: Years, so, you know, I, I'm not building, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars you know worth of savings. Right. And he said, well, there's ways of getting that. And just to, just to crunch it down, keep it short. I mean, six months later made it happen. I had to take eight bank loans. I had to negotiate a deferral on the second half of the purchase price and the accounts receivable aspect of it. Um, but I made it happen in June 1st, 2013, I became the owner. Um, and it's been really great ever since we've grown even more. And, um, you know, the pandemic is a whole other issue, but, you know, we right. we actually came through stronger after that, uh, believe it or not. And so, um, yeah, I'm looking forward with the future holds. So, so when you ask, you know, how did you get into this? It's really not the typical story of, you know, someone who had the plan. It was just, it just kind of happened and I was reacting along the way. So I, I'm that's not going right. to say that's the best thing for people to do, but there are times these things can work. So <laughs> I hope that answers your
1: absolutely well i'm glad that it all worked out for you in the best way um so now within the business what does your current business model look like how are you structuring things are we doing group classes one-on-one semi-privates open memberships what does that look like
2: uh one-on-one one solely so we got did, it. okay we did small group years back we used to call it pack training um mm-hmm. And what we found was as fun as it was, there are too many other places within our radius, our marketing radius that offer that. And we weren't differentiating ourselves based on that. And right now we're still the only place around in my area that does fully private one-on-one training with proprietary mm-hmm. systems. So um, so we're, we're gonna stick with what we're good at. We're gonna yeah. stick with what we know we're number one with and mm-hmm. so we solely offer one-on-one training we do when we have extras attached to that we have nutrition we can do genetic testing for fitness you know there's mm-hmm. a lot of things we can do to help that hyper individualization model um become more cohesive for our clientele but um but it's solely one on one we have one semi-private it's a mother mother and son that they like to do the the training together but it's yeah. it's solely that it's um we do a membership basis, but if for those who wanna buy packages of sessions, we'll do that as well. So we're very flexible when it comes to that. Got it,
1: okay. All right, so one-on-ones only. And how many clients are you currently serving?
2: So right now we're, um, I just signed a couple of new clients last week. Um, <laughs> I believe we're at 65 to 67. We typically hover between like 60 and 72 clients at a given time. The, the most we've okay. had at a given time is 75. Um, and that's really good for us. I mean, we're we're a higher cost, higher quality, low lower volume sort of service. So we don't okay. need a lot of clients. We dozens of clients is good. We're never going to have hundreds because we could not we could not handle that. So right. um, so we're we're right now in like 60s, close to 70. Uh, that's very comfortable for us. There is some room for growth, but um, but we're busy, and and yeah, I actually need good. more help you know, in order to, yeah. to get even busier. So I, right. I did have to put a moratorium on new signups last year temporarily because we filled up all our slots. Wow. So, um, you know, so this is a model I think that um, is very appealing in certain demographic groups.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what is your maximum capacity for clients in your facilities at around that 75 mark?
2: No, it's probably closer to ninety. Um, okay. It's yeah, it's probably closer to that. I mean, we're a three room studio, which means we have three private training rooms that's just the client and the trainer in the room. So we can train up to three people at once. And um you know we're open early morning up till you know late evening. Um, mm-hmm. The only day we're closed is Sunday. so um so there there is some room for growth. Um, I, I would say right around eighty five to ninety was where we would we we probably wouldn't have any more room, but we would also need the staff for that too.
1: Yeah, Right. Well, that's
2: a whole other set of challenges. I'm sure we can, we can discuss. Yes, a lot yes. of people are going through right now, but absolutely. Um, so, but that's that's essentially probably our upper cap. If I was to have maybe just a couple more full timers.
1: Yeah. Okay. And now on the marketing side of things, how are you getting new faces in the door? Are we doing any type of paid advertising through Facebook, Instagram, Google? Uh, Is it more organic? What does that look like for
2: you? So again, with us are kind of breaking the rules a bit. We're doing very little paid advertising and being open for 16 years, we're pretty embedded in the community and I'm embedded in the community. I do a volunteer work around uh, the studio. I, um, people know me, uh, I do events and things like that, um, Mm -hmm. in the area. So, um, so for us, we don't have to do as much as what we used to have to do as far as like direct mailers and paid digital things like that. I, I, I have a small ad that's put out in a local magazine just to have something that's out there. It doesn't cost that much but Mm -hmm. um but our leads right now they're coming for a lot from referrals from past and current clients who are happy with us drive by we have a pretty good location for for our town location's very important um and and then google searches so our our organic search ranking is very high and that helps too Mm -hmm. um having a robust website and our franchise takes care of all that for us that part so which is good because i'm not as versed in that so so our marketing really involves just Uh, local LSM, local studio marketing, community work, um, and referrals and just just by virtue of being there for so long.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course, okay. Uh, And now how many new faces on average would you say that you are seeing per month?
2: So I aim for, so in in our model, we aim for one uh, net new client a month is considered sustainable growth. So, and that's net. So if you, you know, you sign on, so if you lose two clients, you got to sign on three in order right. to, for example. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm being a little more aggressive. I'm going for four, a net four, yeah. cause I really want to ramp it up, uh, some more. And so, but it varies typically between like five and fifteen, and I know that's that's kind of a big range, and it really depends on the month because this is a very seasonal thing, as as a lot of fitness people know, especially up in the Northeast. But um, but it, so, for example, last month in in January, I signed on uh, nine new clients, and that's a okay. lot. That was way yeah. more than I was anticipating, and I think that's a very good sign for this coming year ahead yes so as, as as people in the stock market say how's january how january goes is how the rest of the year tends to go uh i don't know how true that is or how literally you can take that but i'm hoping that's kind of a sign so yeah. um so so we do see you know on on average between five to 15 new faces a month typically um and i'm I'm aiming for at least four a month right, as right. Of, for this year at least
1: got it okay and are you opposed to more than that or is that kind of where you like to be?
2: Um, I'm supposed to say no, but I'm actually gonna gonna say gonna say yes just because we have to be able to handle the clientele. So again, right. it's, it's a matter of we um, in our model we we don't need as many clients because they're paying more, but we also have to be able to do a really bang up job for them. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, we can't sign on more clients than we can handle. And we got to be able to fit them in the schedule too. So, Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would say I'm comfortable saying I would like to keep it right around there, Mm -hmm. um, just so we don't get overwhelmed and get too many signups.
1: Got it. Okay. And, um, that's actually a really good point that you make there with having less clients, but charging a higher rate for the clients. Because a lot of people kind of get into the opposite mindset there and charge a really low rate and then have to have a really high number of clients. And being able to separate yourself as well as your level of service, charging that higher rate is not a bad thing. And a lot of people are afraid to kind of have that mindset or that model. They're afraid to charge more and they're afraid of having less clients because it's just kind of getting wrapped up in the idea of being competitive with other studios, it's like everybody always wants to charge at the lowest rate, but have the highest level of service. And those two things just don't go in hand, go hand in hand, rather. Um, You know, when you're overwhelming yourself with a certain number of clients, the level of service that you can provide each one goes down. So having a super low price point and providing the highest level of service, it just doesn't it doesn't work that way. So not being afraid to charge that higher rate and have a lesser amount of clients is actually a really great business model.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny when you're when you're saying that a lot of. I, I think you use a term afraid to and I, yeah. and I see that so I I do mentor and I do take interns for people either wanting to get into the fitness field or or who just got into it and need sort of someone to help you know them, set them on some sort of a path or help them figure mm-hmm. out what they want to do and so and I see a lot of that fear it, it yeah and as you know the saying goes fear is false evidence appearing real
3: yes. and
2: so um you know it, it's it's it, I think there's a lot of lack of confidence, which is the weirdest thing because in this industry we should we should be promoting confidence. We should yes. be confident in ourselves and what we can provide for people, and a lot of it is. Uh, and I've had trainers, particularly those within the first couple of years, tell me this, where they actually don't feel like they can they can provide the um, the level of service necessary to charge a certain amount, and. Yes i find that really interesting because they can be confident in all the er- other areas of their life except for that and it's right. it, it, it's a weird phenomenon um it, it, i think it's it really comes down to you have to you have to do some soul searching and self examination you know mm-hmm. if you're not confident in what you're doing why is that what did you have right. some bad experiences um uh, is it something, a fear of the unknown? You know, what is it? There's something deeper there, but mm-hmm. I agree with you. I, I think that this this is a model that often gets overlooked. Um, in my opinion, though, it, when done correctly, this model is more sustainable than some of the other lower cost, higher volume ones yes. that I see pop up and down all the time because we're a little less subject to the fluctuations of the market. Yes, Mm-hmm. And in today's day and age, I think that's very important because things are more volatile now than they probably have been in a while. Right. So I, people, anyone looking to do this as a career needs to look at sustainability. Yes. And so looking at all these options is important. so if if you know if some someone listening is thinking, "You know, I don't know if i if I can charge this if or if I'm worth this, um, you should talk to someone about that. Yeah, you know, talk mm-hmm. to other industry, you know other, facility owners and, and industry leaders about that and, and get some ideas because you, you could be wrong about that.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it is hard to value yourself and your services. And one thing that I like to look at as well is, you know, sometimes it's hard for a personal trainer, or a gym owner to value the service that they're providing because you are not your customer you know, you are not somebody who is looking for help with fitness. You are not somebody who doesn't know what they should be eating on a daily basis. So the value, the perceived value to you is different than someone who has never worked out in their life, has no idea where to start, has no idea what they should be eating on a daily basis or how to fuel their body and they are 40 pounds overweight and have no idea how to approach getting healthier. You know, you, you are not that person. So it's almost like you just have to shift your perspective and put yourself in your prospective client's shoes and the perceived value changes.
2: And isn't, so, isn't that hard to do? That's, it that's, is. that's really Cause it, you got to step outside your own head right? and, and you know, and the, like if you were to ask me, you know, in three words or less, you know, what what would be a piece of advice to give someone, you know, mm-hmm. looking to get into it? And my, my answer would be know your market. Yeah. And 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 that's going to require you to, you know, do some research, mm-hmm. um, you know, some formal research, informally or informally. And then it's gonna require you to talk to people in 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 your proposed market, find out mm-hmm. what they're looking for, find out what their right. struggles are. And then it's gonna require you to this is hard it's you got to temporarily forget everything that you've learned and go into it and try to look at it from their point of view
4: right and
2: and i say this when i talk when i talk to people about sales because i used to hate sales i used to be uh, terrible at sales and mm-hmm. when i started enjoying sales i got really good at it yes. um and i think that's and i think there's a correlation there but Um, but I always have to remind myself when someone comes in every, everyone looking, you know looking to inquire gets a complimentary 90 minute consultation and intake, we call it. And Mm -hmm. during that 90 minutes, we, we sit down, go over everything. We go through a battery of screens, um, a light workout. And really the idea is to get an idea if it's a good fit or not.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, but I always have to remind myself and I remind others about this too, is you know, to me, this is not a big deal. To me, this is just one more appointment in the day. You know, I check it off and I either signed them up or I didn't and right. either way's okay. But, you know, to me, this is something I do all the time. And, you know, to look at someone's posture and sit down with them in a, in a tiny office, in a small room and discuss, right. you know, sometimes very personal things and, you know, look at movement and get a workout in, to me, this is no big deal, but to this person, this might be the most important thing they've done for themselves in years, just, just meeting for 90 minutes. They Mm -hmm. might've, they might've been nervous. They might've not slept well the night before thinking about it. They might've thought about pulling out because they were anxious because they didn't know what to expect because this is not familiar to them. So I always have to remind myself, you know, whereas for me, this is no big deal for this person. This could be one of the biggest, this could be one of the most, um, uh, stressful things they've been thinking about all week was just coming in to, to sit down with one of us. Yes. And, um, and, and so that sort of really, uh, hones in on the importance of what we do and how much of an impact we can make in someone's life, even if it is just that one meeting.
5: Yes, Um, absolutely.
2: So I, I agree totally with what you said about, you know, we have to kind of look at it from the, the, I think you were trying to say the market standpoint,
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's also uh, another good point is the, uh, the sales process, you know, another thing that people tend to be afraid of is sales and because they're thinking of it as a sale rather than providing a solution to someone's problem that they come to you looking for a solution for, yes. um, So, you know, everybody that walks in the door, you have an opportunity to help solve a problem that they have, and it's your job to identify that problem, and if you can, if it makes sense for you to solve that problem for them, and that's where the exchange comes in. You know, you're providing a service, and they're paying for it. But I think a lot of people kind of get caught up on the idea of sales. And just like you, you said, you know, once you really dove into sales and started loving sales, you got really good at it. And it was the same for me. You know, it was like, it was fun for me because sales is so psychological. And, uh, you know, just that, that psychological piece and really diving into why somebody is there and what they need and being able to provide that solution for them on a selfish note is super rewarding, you know, being able to change somebody's life and really it's, it's not selfish. It's, it's just kind of getting over the idea of it being a sale. And yeah. sales is really just a transference of belief. So if you're super convicted in what it is that you're selling and you know, that you have the solution to whatever problem it is that your prospective client comes to you with, it becomes very easy.
2: Yes. And, 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 and they're going to reflect what you're feeling too. I mean, if you're going into this thinking it's sales and thinking it's okay, I got to try to get the sale and, Mm -hmm. and and you're not feeling good about it and you're not having fun. They're probably not going to either. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, as humans, we're, we're intuitive. We, we pick up on on what we're on, what each other are feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, And so, so just first of all, yeah, you just have to have fun with it. I mean, I I I really enjoy going into an intake. I really look forward to it, and I look forward to it because I'm saying, hey, I set this upfront contract. Um, (laughs) I I establish that upfront with with each prospect, usually, um, where we're going to make a decision at the end, and a yes or a no is perfectly okay. I'm not. I mean, obviously, we'd like a yes because that's more business.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to get a yes because then that's a sign it might not be a good fit. So don't worry about it. Just go right. into it, and if it flows, if they sign up, it's because it's you know they're meant to. It's the right fit, and if they don't, mm-hmm. it just wasn't the right fit at the time. Yeah. And so you just you go into it relaxed, have fun with it. That's that's really the that's really the key with it, and yes. and don't be afraid of uh, talking about money either Mm -hmm. you know we're uh, again you know we all realize you know and in our society money is important Mm -hmm. yet you know we're afraid to talk about it and really there's there's no there's no fear related to it and right in a way it in a way it sort of reflects that a lot of people get into the business because they want to help people and it shows that we have that you know we get into it for the right reasons we're not just trying to get money we want to help people and -hmm. that's a positive reflection on us as an industry Um, but, but there's a little bit of a negative that comes with that. And, and that's where we sort of hold ourselves back because this is, um, this is sort of that internal, this internal, you know, negative dialogue we have surrounding this topic Mm -hmm. that we need to get over if we're Mm -hmm. actually going to help more people.
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, just sometimes it just comes down to a shift of perspective. Like we talked about before with, you know, putting yourself in the shoes of your target market. Um, And then, you know, it's it's the same thing within the sales process, just shifting your perspective around sales and what the real reason is for it. You know, you're solving a problem for somebody and probably chances are you're changing their life. So, and, you know, if you're not identifying that problem and you're not providing a solution, it's almost like you're doing them a disservice you know? So it's, it's so important to kind of just look at things in a different way. And again, like you said, if, if the answer is yes, great. If the answer is no, okay, you did your part. That's right. So awesome. Now this year or, or this time of year rather is typically a big time for planning for (laughs) the upcoming year and looking at where we're looking to go what our goals are, et cetera. So, what are your main focuses within the business for 2022?
2: Well, 2022 is a bit of it's part of. It's going to have to be a reaction to 2021, uh, because mm-hmm. what happened in 2021 was we start we started off pretty strong. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we were you know we're still in the middle of this pandemic, um, but our model was very attractive to a lot of a lot of people that wouldn't normally have looked at it. So right. we signed on a lot of new clients the end of 2020 when we reopened. Um, and so it, it was looking great. But then what happened last year was there was no shortage of clients, but there just seemed to be a shortage of people looking to work as trainers. Yeah, And, and we could we could probably talk all day about the different reasons for that. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. what, it, what it means is that this year, we really want to look to um, we have a stable staff that's really good, but we need to grow and augment it. So mm-hmm. we're looking at staff augmentation as being a, a real focus because i we can't grow without that. you know right. I, I I can't do everything. Um, and yeah. so um, so our focus uh, this year is sort of reacting to last year and saying, okay, well there's there's a large uh there's a large demand for our service but we also have to find where is there a demand for people looking to provide this service right. within the industry and so that's that's really what what um our primary goal is here and my second goal i think is is to really solidify our in-studio culture mm-hmm. and, wh- and what i mean by that is um create a place where it's not just a place to go and get training. And it's not just a place to go for trainers to come in and train people and then take off after the shift's done, but make Mm -hmm. it a place where, you know, people feel comfortable just coming in and uh, either shooting the breeze or, um, or, uh, or, or, or looking to do other things and, and just sort of creating a culture where it's, it's, it, it just feels, it feels really great just to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our clients are very happy with us, our, our surveys and our retention rate reflect that our staff is happy there. Um, uh, but I think there's always room to sort of solidify that and make that more of a, of an influence. So, so the two things really would be, you know, uh, augment staff and, um, and, and sort of enrich our, our in-studio culture.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as the in-studio culture, that really leads to high retention rates as well. So as far as growth goes, that makes things a lot easier because you're not constantly out there looking for new clients because you have a very solid foundation within the business to build off of. So that typically plays a really large role in the retention piece. Uh, is your retention pretty good now? Or are we keeping clients for an extended period of time?
2: Yeah, I mean, our typical client stays with us, I would say, between uh, this is kind of a big range again, but 12 and 36 months, which for okay. one one training is pretty good. I mean, we have some yeah. people who've been with us for um, like 13 years. Um, wow. other, uh, yeah. Other people, you know, they're only with us for a few months. Um, mm-hmm. That's okay. I mean, if that's all they need, that's all they need. So uh, it's about the client. It's not about us so that's um so it is a pretty big range but we do tend to keep our clients um for a reasonable amount of time and and you know right now for our industry standard is an eight percent attrition per month mm-hmm. you know so if you're it used to be six but because of the way they, they call the uh, the whole fitness culture has changed within the last decade having um you know we used to go with a six percent benchmark and but now we're realizing that may not be as realistic anymore because there's just more mm-hmm. options out there and people are move, just moving around more. Right. So so now it's an 8% benchmark. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're we're typically hovering anywhere between between 4 and 9. Okay. So we're mm-hmm. so we're we're pretty good with that. Now, bear in mind too that's our our particular business. You know, other business models may have different metrics.
1: Yes, yes, and absolutely. So you, have,
2: you have to look at what kind of business model you have, but you need a benchmark to measure yourself against rather yes. than just sort of casting everything out to the wind and saying, hey, it's all just whatever. You, have, yeah. I mean, you gotta have some solid numbers behind you. <laughs> so right. um, so that's that's what we're looking at as far as retention rate goes, is uh, you know, I look at the attrition rate and just subtract that from the from the total.
1: Right, got it. Okay. And now what do you think really plays into that? retention rate? Because, you know, those are, those are some pretty good rates. You know, a lot of people are higher than that as far as attrition goes. And a lot of people really aren't keeping clients for even 12 months and 36 months is, is great. And 13 years obviously is even better. Um, So what do you think the main pieces of that retention piece are? What contributes to that most?
2: Well, at the end of the day people vote with their feet so mm-hmm. they're they're gonna they're gonna come back if they feel there's value and value value is not just not just cost or price you know right. value is value is more of an emotional feeling and so yes. they have they have to feel like they're getting something from you mm-hmm. and they're only going to feel like they're getting something from you almost all the time when they actually are getting something from you so you have to yes. provide for them you know that. Uh, with us a lot, a large part of it is accountability. I would say Mm -hmm. eight out of 10 people who contact me looking for information, mention accountability as a reason why they're seeking out a trainer. Mm -hmm. And so you have to have that accountability, you know, you make an appointment, if they don't show up, you don't just mark it off as a no show. And then, you know, go do some cleaning and leave, we're going to call them. And find out okay. where they are. Show some concern. Are you okay? Did we just get the time wrong? Like, what's what's going on here? Um, you know, if they haven't scheduled more appointments, reach out to them. Find out, you know, um, you know, when you can get them in or put them in somewhere. Let them know and have them respond if it does or does not work. Right. Um, you know, if, if for people with weight goals, which I mean, at least with us, you know, most people coming to us are looking for weight loss as at least a partial goal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, caring enough to do possibly a weekly weigh in, depending on the person, sit down Mm -hmm. with the food journal, uh, ask them about their nutrition, and, and don't just ask, and this is a real pet peeve of mine with trainers, don't ask about the food journal when you're in the workout session you know, because yes. that's just distracting and it, it never works, you know, actually sit down because sit down conversations are always more serious. So, right. you know, take, take the time with them, take the 10 or 15 extra minutes just to sit down with them and find out where they are and stuff and set up a plan. Um, you know, people really, I've, I have found most clients really like the idea of a structure. And a plan. Show them what their next year is looking at. Don't don't mm-hmm. tell them about a six week transformation. I think a lot of people are over that at this point. Show them what a year is going to look like. Over the course of a year, this is what your plan is. This is what we're going to do every six weeks. This mm-hmm. is what we're going to do every four weeks. This is what we're going to do each workout. You know, break it down into um, into little phases and set little goals. And show them what that looks like, so that they know that this is a long-term commitment. This is not something you just jump in and out of, because right. that just doesn't work. So again, right. it's, it's also caring enough during the sales process to give them, uh, to show them, show them what they need, um, while taking it into account. You know what what they're capable of doing based on their li- their lifestyle.
1: Right, yeah, I mean, most people are missing the accountability piece. Above anything else, that is what they need. Somebody waiting for them uh, to show up for their workout. Somebody reaching out if they don't show up. Somebody there keeping them on track with their meal plan. So that's a really large piece of that. So, you know, I always ask about that piece. Are there any other services that you're providing? Are we doing nutrition? Are we providing accountability? Those are pieces that a lot of times people are really missing. You know, people don't necessarily mind the workout piece. Once they're there, it's just getting them there. You know, <laughs> Sorry, it's, yeah. that's the, that's the main thing, keeping them motivated to actually show up. So having somebody that is there waiting for them, keeping them on track, checking in with them weekly, that's a huge thing. And that's really where the results come into play. And once somebody starts getting results, you know, chances are they're going to stick with you for an extended period of time. So kind of making sure that you're covering those bases, especially initially, obviously continuing along with them as well. But, you know, getting somebody to actually get results is huge as far as retention goes.
2: So putting those
1: systems in place
2: before. Well, It's funny when when I've had interns, um, their biggest concern is what if what I do with them doesn't work? And I think that goes back to that confidence pace we actually started yeah. this conversation with, you know, and mm-hmm. they, they get worried that, you know, am I, I'm, and this goes back to that whole internal negative dialogue where, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm worth this. And ultimately it comes down to, well, I'm not sure if what I'm going to do is get going to get them results. And and you'd right. have to do a mind flip and realize it's not what you're doing, which is getting them results. It's what they're doing yes. or not doing. Um, exactly. it, you're, you're, you're really, they're helping to facilitate it. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's it's what the client is doing that's going to determine that's their behavior changes, not yours. Right. Um, And um, so, again, it's sort of that little flip in thinking that that can help to, you know, really boost the confidence of a lot of of a lot of people either looking to get into fitness or who just got into it and are sort of wide eyed, not, not sure what to do. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can give somebody the best program in the world, but if they're not taking action and following the plan, then, you know, there's not much that you can do about that. So uh, other than holding them accountable to the best of your ability. Um, right. But yeah, that's that's a great point there as far as the confidence piece goes. It is, you know, it is their responsibility to actually follow through with the program, but not being afraid to give them the program and encourage them to actually get started. is huge. Yes awesome all righty so now as we start to wrap up here where can the listeners find you on social media
2: so we do have uh an instagram uh fitness together avon a v o n um and we have a facebook page it gets populated um, automatically by our franchise i don't do a lot of interaction on on that right now um but our website is fitnesstogether.com slash avon a-v-o-n and you also they can look up fitnesstogether.com we we're we're nationwide there's 123 i think last count uh, of studios around the country and uh-huh. so, you know, if you can find one that's near you, if you want to actually, you know, come in and, and sit down with an owner. And I mean, I, I have to, I'm not just saying this cause I'm i am a part of it. I, I having been a part of it for so long. I mean, we've got a great cadre of owners and everybody's mm-hmm. very generous with their time and really wants to help. So I'm sure anyone would be happy to talk to you, but you can also reach out to me directly fitness together.com slash Avon um, and uh, contact me through the studio. Um and I, I it's funny going back to marketing. I, I actually stopped a lot of the social media. We actually started doing better when we got off of a lot <laughs> a lot of that stuff. Again, I'm breaking the rules. Uh, yeah, I'm getting breaking the rules here, but um yeah. I, I think I'm just again, you have to you have to respond to you have to respond to your community and the market and see what yes. you know, see what, what to do next.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Awesome. So Billy from fitness together in Avon, Connecticut. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It's been great having you on the show.
2: Yeah, this was fun. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. And to all the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you will be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there. We will catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out.
0: Thank you for listening to this interview, but Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome
4: to the Gym Lords Podcast. We talk to gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their areas. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of Burn Fitness in Rockaway Beach, New York, Sean Serone. How are you doing today? I'm doing amazing.
2: Awesome. Doing Me amazing. too.
4: Pumped to have you on. I appreciate you being on with us. We're going to rock and roll here. My
2: pleasure to be here.
4: Awesome, man. Jump
5: right into it. Tell us what Burn Fitness is all about. Also, Burn, it's my own twist on a gym. So I've been in the health industry 15 years, uh, almost 20, and this is what I love. This is what I live and breathe. So it was my, uh, my duty in life to deliver this to my community, my hometown community. So Burn is a gym. It's a health club, full operational health club, multidimensional that caters to every Every type of demographic you can think of, group fitness classes, one-on-one training, personal training, um, open gym, you can CrossFit, you can strength and conditioning, you can power lift, you can body build, you can be a runner, you can do whatever you want in, in our facilities. And it's, um, I like to think of it as home. The, uh, the goal of creating this gym for the community was to create a home atmosphere. So as, as a younger adult growing up, all I wanted to do was use the gym. I had to beg my mother to use it. In that process, um, I was made to feel very uncomfortable in the gyms 20 years ago. And it was a major battle for me. And for somebody I could see that's not that strong, if they can't, if they don't feel comfortable, they're not going to stay. So an an important part as a business owner, if you want to retain your customers where customer retention is priority number one, you're going to have to make them feel comfortable. You're also going to have to make them feel like they're at home because if they feel like they're at home they'll always come back home. Sometimes people drift away from home and they move away when they uh, leave college, but they always come back home. So even if you lose members for a few months, they will always know where home is. And that community aspect of it, where everybody feels like they're at home with their friends, makes it even better. But it also makes them get the results. And the key of owning a gym, the key of anybody starting a business is to provide a service for those around you. So this service is to make them healthier. So sometimes you have to trick somebody into the own good. And this whole gym was a way of tricking them into their own good, bringing them health, making them feel comfortable, not making a threat to the comfort for the entire community. And if there is any, you have to remove it. But obviously this is all about bringing health to the community in the best manner possible. And obviously if you can provide all different types of services within your business, then you have a better chance at success in the future. And you have a better chance at protecting the gym for your community and protecting the business for your own financial gain as well. Yeah, absolutely.
4: Man, as I said it off the air and, and I, I, I'm going to say it one more time, just hearing you and the passion that you have for the impact that you're making on the community it leaves no doubt as to um, you know you're in the right place at the right time as far as doing what you're doing, and um, it's cool that you're getting to do it you know in your hometown uh, where you're from. And I'd like to jump in a little bit to that about your backstory because you're from from the Rockway Beach area. Um, you've kind of you I think you went into Manhattan to do some training. There's you know opportunity came up in your backyard and you know, there, there's some thought process like anything, but here you are back home at home, making a business that you want to feel like home. Tell me how that all
5: wraps up together and, and what it's looked like, what the journey has looked like for you. Oh, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's really rewarding. You know, I mean, the, the greatest part is to see the success of it, to see the success of people in my community get healthier, get better, their lives improve, their families improve, their health improves. And it just goes to show them they have a place to call home. And the pandemic actually made that awareness even more, especially to people like myself, because when you're grinding out every day and it's hard and you don't get a day off, you don't get a paycheck and and customers complain, it it can get very stressful. But when they show the appreciation or you notice how much they need it or how much they loved it, then it's a little bit more rewarding for yourself. And to see everybody so crazy And this community was not that affluent about fitness before I owned this gym. (laughs) It was not, it's a big drinking town. It's a lot of Irish, a lot of civil servants. Um, They work their butts off and they like to pound them down on the weekends and not spend their, their time working on their health. But to see everybody irate and losing their mind that the gym was closing, what are we gonna do? It was like, wow, these past four, five years, they worked. I got these people healthy. I got them to become gym rats. I got them to know that they need health as a priority, and that if it's not there and available for them, they're they're upset about it. And um, that's uh real rewarding. It's real rewarding to see yeah. and to see the business be able to, to 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 flourish. I mean, during the pandemic, the day after they closed us, March seventeenth, March eighteenth, I was on that boardwalk in the middle of the winter. Um, my lungs had failed nine months before. COVID, so I was in my life as well with the pandemic, potentially catching a virus um, every day, five days a week, teaching free classes for the entire community on the boardwalk, just to show them that this I'm not about the money, just the money. I'm about the community. And if you prove you're about the community and you're up for your members, you will have business forever.
4: Yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head there with something that I say all the time is. If you're in this to help as many people as you can to make the biggest impact on, your, on their lives, that's going to serve you just as much as any education, work ethic is necessary. But when you get all those things lined up, the money is going to follow it. You got to make good choices, right? There's, you can't be frivolous, but it's one of these things where we get to directly see the impact of what we do as a business. And it's, it's just that transfer. Like how many things feel better about getting money in your pocket than somebody being able to run around with their kids or partake in a sport or just, you know, live longer, feel better. it's like, you know what, you don't have to be shy about getting paid for that. As long as you know that you're delivering real value and that's what you're there for. So I think you're, you know, you're right on the middle of that balance of yes, I need money to pay the bills, got to pay the rent. If I go out of business, or I can't eat, then I can't help anybody. But you're just like, help, help, help. And then the bank account will fill up. Yep. For sure, man. So um, you took over this facility. Uh, it it wasn't, wasn't at its peak, I guess we could say. Um, you saw the opportunity there. It's it's in your hometown. Um, I'm sure there's a multitude of things that that were involved in it. But since you've been at the helm, what things have you have you done that have made the biggest impact that you've put your stamp on it, whether it's operational changes, staff, physical, you know, layout in the building? What things have you done that you feel like it made the biggest improvement and brought it brought it to be this place that, that you love and you're proud of um, and want to keep putting all
5: of yourself into? It's the the most important part of the, uh, the business is actually getting in touch with the customers knowing what your customers want and what they need. Um, That's the most important part of how you run your gym and your welcome team. Because when everybody comes in that door, they could have a horrible day. And if you greet them with a name and a smile and make that customer, that's my business model, hello and goodbye. If you treat them like a person and you make them feel okay, they could have had a horrible day at work. They come in, hey, Jim, how you doing? With a smile. Now, their horrible day, they might temporarily forget about it. Now they go get a good workout from their good workout transcends a feeling of of satisfaction. Now they go home to their wife and kids, and they forgot about their bad day. But if nobody acknowledged them, they might have got a shitty workout, brought their work life home, and it made for a horrible home. so it makes for a better community and when you can make the customers happy, you have you're increasing your marketing because they're talking about your place, but you're increasing the likeliness of them coming back. So actually making sure your staff greets everyone, making sure your staff is on point is one of the most important aspects of running the gym because when you're not there, they have to be operating like you operate. And that's the most important part of running a good health club at least. And um, that provides customer satisfaction because if you're there to listen to the customers, If you have a manager that's there to listen to the customers and they get what they want, yeah, there are going to be some unrealistic demands, but you go over majority rules. So if you follow those and you stay on top of your business, you can, and then obviously adding other sources of revenue are very important as well. So during times like the pandemic, if you have multiple profit centers within your gym, you can, if you have a decrease in revenue in one area, you can make up for it in another. And the customers that support, if they want to see you still stay there, they will support those other revenue profit centers if they have the money to help you stay in business because they want you to be there because they love you. They don't want home to go away. And, um, and then obviously keeping up with the times, making sure you offer the right classes for what's going around. If the person down the street is offering the most highest new trending class and you don't offer something similar and most people want that class, then you're shit out of luck. So you have to stay in touch with uh, what's going on in the current times.
4: Yeah. Something that you've, you've mentioned a couple of times and I think you've given us a little bit of an idea of it, but I've never heard anybody describe the concept of a welcome team. Right. And I don't know if this is your original idea, if this is something else that you've put a spin on it, but can you, can you give us a little bit more of an idea of where that concept came from and and what
5: exactly it involves for you? So, The concept is basically when you are familiar with people. If you know somebody's name, you look them in the eye. They know you and they wouldn't expect you to know their name. They feel a little personal. They feel like you know them. They don't want to necessarily screw you. They get a relationship with you. So they'll treat other people in the facility better. It transcends to such a big triple down effect. Everything operates a lot more efficiently and Marketing, you can't afford marketing when you first open a gym. How are you going to be afford that if you just put all this money up? Now, you're going to eventually have to pay some money for marketing. But in the meantime, if you can't afford it, you can prevent yourself from failing in the early days in by treating the customers right. If you treat them right, they'll talk about it. When people are happy, they talk. And when people are happy, they get good results in the gym. And when they look good, people talk. So it's all those aspects as a good trainer, it made me a good, with good experience, it made me a good health club operator because you were able to understand why people are there and how to treat them when they're there. And um, that's the first thing they see when they come in the door. Nobody's going to want to come back in any business if they're being treated at the desk. If you go buy food and the people buying you're buying your food from are disrespectful to you, Chances are you might not go back to that place. And um, this is the same for a gym and you want their monthly recurring business. So it's, um, it's, not, a, it's not like um, it's food where people need it every day to survive, even though they should exercise every day to survive. People won't see that need and they're not just going to go if you disrespect them. You have to be on point with your business. You have to be better than anybody. That way they'll always stay.
4: Yeah. I, I love that. The, you know, the last, all of it, but something that you said that gets lost a lot, as you said, you know, you want, you want people to keep coming back, keep getting results. That results in monthly recurring revenue. And you really have it, you know, something we talk about a lot is, is people can be sold or unsold every day that they come to your facility. Yeah. And it may not happen all at once. They may have one little thing that they don't like Monday then Tuesday, then Wednesday, then they're paying more attention. And then three weeks later, they're like, I don't really like this place anymore. And it works the, the same way. There are places that we all go to that we know and love. And there's there's that, you know, we always, uh, I think as consumers, maybe as business owners, a little more tight end, but I don't know what it is, but I just like this place. And that's that, that addition of, oh, somebody knows my name. Bathroom's clean. Light bulbs are never out. Uh, you know, whatever those other things are. And they, those two sides are always fighting against each other. Yeah. And if you're not aware of it, that's when people don't stop coming because they all of a sudden decided they made the wrong choice of the gym after they've been there for three months or six or a year. It's these little, it's like death by a thousand cuts, right? Every, every touch, every interaction, you're never going to get them 100% right. But if you're aware to make as many of them as you can go well, those are the people that are with you. You know, three, four, five, ten years, however yeah. long it is. So I love that you highlight that and know that it's it's not a day by day, it's not a week by week or month by month. It's it's interaction by interaction. Yeah, that's it. You have you win or lose every single interaction that people have with you or
5: your facility, whether you like it or not. And the selfless hack, the selfless act of helping another, can be the most selfish thing one can do but it's the most rewarding thing you can do so by helping some others you're helping yourself because you're going to feel good too and if you explain that to your staff that's part of the model then they'll understand that and they'll feel good too so it's just um being on top of those things are some of the most important parts of running the business is what I figured out because I've been in a situation where I couldn't be there and I was sick for a little while and that me not being there was a major part of the business and um making sure that I had staff now that was able to replicate that was all I could deal with going forward. If I was going to expand, you know, if you're running the property, expanding the business, you can't always be there right on the front line, running the day to day. You need to make sure your people there at the front desk are running the day to day. You need it done the way that you want it done. Yeah,
4: absolutely. So one of the things that, that you mentioned as far as yeah, I want to talk some business operations things And you mentioned, you know, what happens at the very beginning is marketing, right? You get in a lot of times, either you start a business, you know, a a gym or you buy a gym or whatever the situation is, usually you've plumped down most of the cash that you have and you got to figure out, all right, what am I going to do for marketing? So what did that look like for you when you started and how has that shifted to, you know, now here we are, you know, six years later, still going, what are the, what have been the ups and downs or the, you know, the the different trends that you've taken part in and, and what have you found has worked the best for you?
5: So for me in the beginning, what worked the best was word of mouth because people just knew who I was. I used to run this neighborhood like 12 miles a day every day when I was a kid. So people like knew I was sick in the head when it came to fitness and like a whole nother caliber of a human being. So that made it, okay, this kid's gonna take over this gym then he's gonna clean it up. And um, that helped me get a little business. Obviously, it took a lot of resistance in the beginning because nobody likes change. But that helped people talk about it. And that helped initially in the beginning. So if you do have some voice within the community, within wherever, social media or anything, you have to optimize and use that to your advantage in the beginning. But then, obviously, as time goes by, now you have to build your credibility. Now, if you can't make it to build your credibility, you have to put some some flyers out there or paper ads or whatever it may be, or Instagram marketing. Now, what I've figured worked the best, because how is a newspaper ad really going to return you on an investment? People barely even see that. And they, 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 there's a newspaper every day or every week. So how and that ad can cost you a couple hundred dollars for one day. So how is that going to return you any business on a 10 percent margin business like Jim's um, very thin? So you need to optimize as best as you can, and you need some marketing plan to actually work. What I found what worked best for me so far was actually direct mail marketing was the highest return on investment. You can, what we did was we actually, I partnered up with another local establishment that rents out space for the juice bar, but they have two other restaurants. And we did a dual split ad. One side was their flyer. The other side was my flyer with like, you know, a free week trial and a free coupon to the smoothie bar. And we split the ad and we hit 10,000 homes. So that was was the best marketing trick that worked for me so far, because obviously my demographical area is different than most and I'm on a peninsula. So I'm not in the city. I'm not in an area where I could just bump out thousands of sales. And I also have a reason to wait because I have a long-term plan where it involves some expansion and I do not want to saturate my market yet until I make that move for just a little bit more space because I'm kind of membership capped right now within All the right. space that I have.
4: Yeah. So you have, you have something that we don't get the opportunity to talk about a lot or people dream about it and hard to make it happen. You figured out a business partnership, a, a cooperative with this company that has a couple of restaurants in.
5: Were they operating the juice bar before you took over in the in the gym? or does, is No, that... I actually, believe it or not, they only had one restaurant before they even had the juice bar. Um, one of my friends I grew up with, his mom owned the, the establishment. Um, he had moved back to the area, too, right after I was taken over this gym. He kind of copied my model on how I improved this place and helped improve his mom's restaurant. And with that model came an expansion for another one and um, on the other side of the peninsula, and now he has, in my gym, he has a juice bar. We got him to open it. We did the model, and now he opened it in two other gyms. One of them was a little too slow, so they closed it down, but the other one's still very successful, and it's outside of the, it's it's in Brooklyn. It's in another borough, so the model has even worked to facilitate new facilities, and I think it's important for health club operators to have a smoothie bar or some type of establishment that's a, some type of pro shop within their club to one add additional revenue. But in the beginning, if you can't do it, find a local juice bar or smoothie place that can can benefit from being in your gym and work something out within the space to let them you know take a small portion of rent. And even if you're not giving them getting a crazy amount of rent from them, even if you're splitting staff, whatever it may be, to make it work where you can optimize some funds for both of you because. Either way, it will work for both. They'll have marketing on a daily basis within your club because people see their sign for the establishment. So if they have another restaurant, anytime they get hungry, they're going to think of that because you go to the gym every day. So it's instilled in your brain every day or at least every week. You're seeing, oh, cuisine by Claudette, cuisine by Claudette, cuisine by Claudette. Then you think of where to go when you're hungry. So it, it benefits that other business in other ways. And if more people see businesses sticking together, then more people are willing to stick together and that's uh when you have a community aspect you have look at crossfit for example they did very well with the concept of it meaning it brought people together so they didn't ever want to leave each other and um that's important in this day and age because you don't have much camaraderie no more you don't have people sticking together and organizing and and um on a common bond something like health
4: yeah. The, uh, the phrase that I always find myself using is adults don't make new friends. Usually mm-hmm, yeah. there's almost, you have your, your family, you have your friends that you've known probably for most of your life, maybe people you went to college with, and then coworkers, that's most people circle forever. You know, once they hit, you know, 30, you know, 30 plus somewhere around there and you, you almost entirely stop making new friends. Yeah. But there's something about a fitness community that supports it, that now all of a sudden people are with like minded individuals, they're people that they already see on a regular basis anyway. So it's like, hey, I got something in common, we can talk about this, we can we can hang out at the gym, right, bro out or whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of opportunities in fitness that present new friendships and new community that people don't get from what I've seen in any other aspect of their life, you know, there's some hobbies and things like that. But, you know, I, I, if you're into, I don't know if you're into, to remote control cars, you're not going to see somebody three, four or five times a week. Right. And if you're into some type of, you know, if you play darts or you play pool, you might see people once a week, but these are things where you're like, you're seeing these people all the time. And it's, it's really almost as much as you see your family sometimes. So Yeah. Huge, huge
5: opportunities there. So, And you see the transformations. It's yeah. like, it's inspiring. People motivate each other. They help each other out. And then it it transcends into everything. You make your community better. And I think these are necessary for every community to have a nice big health club that can facilitate the community from somebody that that's from the community so the members can identify with each other. It's super important. Like if, if there's anybody out there that's thinking about opening a gym in their neighborhood and they're from that area and they really love it, get your ass moving that's my that's my advice and if you need my help contact people like us you know i'm sure we're more than happy to help and we can get them on their feet but it's uh we need more of them 25% of gyms currently have already folded because of this pandemic and now 30% of small boutique studios have and this is just q1 numbers q2 is coming so it's um there's more coming and no relief has been given by congress so we need more people to step up because this is this is a constant battle. It's the number one leading cause of death, heart disease. They need us, and um, we need more of them.
4: Yeah, I love how in tune you are with the numbers and the statistics. It's not just hey, I love training, rah rah. We're going to change lives. You're in there. You're reading the papers. You know the yeah. the research, looking at stats, in touch with the industry, and not just in your little shell, your bubble, your gym. Like everything is is all good. and Like you're staying educated as much as you can about everything that's going on. So you can try to be ahead of it as much as you can.
5: A good trainer, a good business owner, a good marketing expert continues their education. You know, that way you can facilitate more educating and it's just essential.
4: I think we have time for one more topic and I think it, it probably will tie things together a lot for people Knowing who you are, knowing you have this kind of help first, serving the community mentality, um, what what do you use for a sales process or an intake process when people come into the gym? You know, somebody reaches out to you, hey, man, you know, I I, I saw the flyer or somebody told me to come in. I'm trying to get back into shape. I, I don't really know what to do. What kind of process do you lead people through to to let them feel that that home atmosphere and And then, you know, how does it translate to them actually becoming a
5: member? The handshake is like one of the most important things. Looking somebody in the eye, giving them a handshake, introducing yourself, giving them a tour, watching their body language to see how they feel, how they, how they look, how they operate. And the key is to, you got to make them feel at home and then it's get them in the door right away. Don't let them come tomorrow, come right away because those people are scared, most of them. And if If they got one chance to back out, so it's get them in. If you need to give them a free trial, you give them a free trial. You get their information, get them to sign a waiver, optimize it any which way you can so you can convert it into a lead. Most of the time, by the time they've got there, they're ready. I mean, some people aren't, but those people usually call. The people that are there in in there is introduce yourself, give them a tour, and get them signed up you know, and it's realistically giving them a complimentary session with their membership and assuring that you will help them either with a program. If the customer knows what to do and how to do it, you set up the likeliness, the likelihood for success for them. And if you set up the likelihood for success for their fitness journey, you can keep them forever because they'll become a gym rat. But the, the hardest part is getting them to understand how to formulate a plan that might be best for them to get them results because people have no idea what they're doing. Even though they might think they do, they literally, everyone needs a trainer. Even trainers need trainers, to be honest. But everyone needs a trainer or a coach. So a a model that helps with the sales pitch and and actually helps the the person that wants to become a member understand how to properly use the gym. Now you'll have plenty of people that are just like, nah, I'm, I'm here for a gym. That, but you don't even have to sell them. That's not even really considered a sale. You're just taking their money. But the actual person that you have to sell, you have to make sure you either set them up with the, a, a, a successful plan or give them a train, tra- free training session. So it's, it's one of the – I noticed that will give you the likelihood of keeping that client more. Because after a while, they won't get results if they don't know what they're doing. And two, three months, they'll lose interest and just lose focus and be gone. Sometimes a week, right after that initial onset soreness, they can't take it no more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Retention's everything. If you can retain your members, you can retain your business.
4: Absolutely. I agree 100%. And I love that you approach it that way. And and even, you know, I wasn't sure what curveball you're going to throw at me, but you just, you know, bang, you're like, handshake, look someone in the eye, be there and recognize that if they walk their ass into your facility... Yeah. they're ready to get helped and it's your job to figure out how to help them get out of their own way, right? Cause we all get in our own way with this stuff. How do I help them get out of their own way and just, and just start, right? Let's get you started and then go from there. So
5: the welcoming aspect is very helpful because when, like I said, when they feel at home, they feel a little bit more comfortable and then they do join. And then you just have to continue to make them feel comfortable. And that stems to the welcome team. People at that front, because that's what everybody sees coming in and out of the facility is that person working the front. And if you go to a gym and they're looking down and they're on their phone and somebody's checking in, you just failed. Mm-hmm. Any gym owner just failed, because if that person that's working your, your facility is not acknowledging that customer coming in, that customer doesn't mean anything to you, but their dollar.
4: Absolutely, sir. Hit the nail on the head there. Um we are just about out of time. I think we probably could have crushed a, a couple hours. Could have gone. Uh, yeah. I know people don't like to talk about Joe Rogan right now, but you know we probably could have done a two-three hour Joe Rogan-length yeah. <laughs> podcast for uh, talking about all this stuff. So we're gonna have to get you back on. But for now, we are out of time. Uh, before I let you go, if people want to check you out, uh, what's the best way to find you
5: online, social media? Where? where can yeah, my you uh, my, my, Pit- my help club page is Burn Fitness RBNY. My, uh, my trainer page is burn underscore fitness underscore NYC.
4: Awesome. Awesome. Um, I appreciate you being here so much. Thank you for being on with us, Sean. It's been a pleasure having you. I appreciate you, Dom. If you're ever in the rock, come by. For sure. And to everyone out there listening, we appreciate you. We wouldn't be here without you guys. We hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. If you want to hear more, you know what it is. Hit the subscribe button. We'll notify you when the episodes drop. To everyone out there in Jim Lords Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives, keep kicking ass. Jim Lords
5: out.
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up, right after this word from one of our sponsors.
3: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Jim Lords Podcast. I will be your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Mister Drew Massey of Game Time Sports and Training, coming to you out of the Tennessee area. Drew, what's going on, my man? How are
6: you? I am doing well. So you, your listeners are have to uh, slow this one down a little bit. That Southern accent tends to get a little thick when I'm on the.
3: Uh, there we go. When I'm on a podcast. We'll muck it up a little bit, right? now, Drew? Game time. This is one of my favorite names of a facility that I've ever interviewed, but give us an idea kind of first and foremost, before we dive in and get too deep on tactics, strategies, business moves and all that. What is game time and and what is this business about?
6: So game time is a uh, performance based fitness facility and the reason that we call it a performance based fitness facility is that Everyone that comes through our doors, whether or not they are an adult looking to get in better shape or an athlete looking to increase their performance in a particular sport, we are going to have certain things that we are going to train with them. So uh, we like to say you know, everybody's an athlete. Your, your game just looks a little bit different. So no matter what, you've got a game time whether you're a mom that's taking care of three or four different kids and and going and doing and dropping off and picking up and having to do that kind of thing. Or again, whether you're a soccer athlete that's looking to make it to the next level, you've got to perform. And so in that we want to train everybody to perform at their best. So that's why we call it a performance fitness facility. And we are going to run the gamut from youth athletes all the way up. We've got a member we're celebrating a birthday party Friday and he's 80. He'll be 80 years old. And he was on the assault Uh, bike. He was on the assault bike this morning. So pretty inspiring
3: here. Okay. And so this is something for everybody, right? We're training five to 80 in some capacity. Tell us a bit about, your journey and how you got involved when did you become a part of this
6: so i got involved i was actually working for uh dr elrod who um, owns an elite sports medicine facility in franklin tennessee when i got the call that that this place was going to open and uh, a friend of mine who owns several other businesses that dealt with field maintenance believe it or not like baseball field maintenance turf maintenance things of that nature He said he had bought a warehouse and they had redesigned it to put a large uh, chunk of their turf in uh, in the facility. And he said that he had gotten a call from a a, a local soccer club that wanted to come in and do some speed work. And he didn't know of anybody except for me that that could come in and, and fit that role. So we started training a little soccer team on our field. Uh, on Saturday mornings, and that turned into uh, the coach actually really having a great experience, and that turned into a couple of other things, and and finally, uh, the uh, the owner said, "Hey, do you do you think we can can build a full fetched Full-fledged training facility here, and uh, I was like, "Yes, absolutely." So, I uh, I left my job uh, with Empower Performance. They're still up and running in, in Franklin, and I left that job and took a job as a high school strength conditioning coach for for a year, so that we could build the facility that we wanted to build here at Game Time, and then a year later in 2013,
3: we we started training full steam ahead. Yeah, and so. Here we are a handful of years later. I'm sure the the dynamic in the the situation has evolved over time for you. Give me an idea of how that time has been. How have those last years been in your experience from a business perspective? Well, with any business
6: that, you know, it's going to have its ups and downs. And and Mike Robertson gave me a really good um, piece of advice. He said, you know, you know, you're in the right business if, you can look at the bad days and still think that the good days outnumber those. So if you're still having way more good days and, and you're loving what you're doing, uh, you, you know, those kind of take care of the bad days. And he's absolutely 100% right. And I, I love what I do. Um, I, I feel like I was put on this earth to do exactly what I'm doing. And that passion, I hope, uh, gets, uh, gets transferred over into how we run this uh, facility. I certainly by no means run it by myself, even though I, I kind of oversee everything. We've got wonderful team around us with our other coaches, uh, with our facilitators. And we, we have really some great members here at, at our facility that make this job a, a real pleasure to come to every day. And and I really mean that. Um, It's something I don't really have to go to work because I I look forward to I really look forward to being here.
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to beat a gig where you can show up in a T-shirt and shorts and and help impact some people's lives. Drew, give me an idea of the business model. Right. When we talk about models in our industry, there are so many different ways fitness businesses can go give me an idea of of some of the services that you guys offer in this place so
6: our services that we offer here at game time sports and training is going to be a large part of our adult fitness population so we're going to offer group uh strength training sessions uh for our adult fitness clients and then on the back end of that, we also have our athletic or our sports performance development programs that are, uh, again, not the main part of our business, but it's things that we do uh, on the back end of our adult our adult side. So with our sports performance, you're going to see more semi-private. We're going to have smaller groups in that four to six range. Um, you're also going to see teams. This was something that we did not realize When we opened, this was not part of the plan. It's just kind of something that happened is that we have a lot of teams in our area that maybe don't have access to the weight room at their local high school because it's ran by, uh, you, you know, the football team or whatever that might be. And so those teams started to train with us as major groups. So we are the sole provider for central soccer Uh, central high school soccer, men's and women's program, and their baseball and softball team. So they'll come in in the off season and train with us as a team. And so that makes up a large part of what we do from a performance, a sports performance standpoint, along with um, some middle school groups. We, We train middle school kids around the age of 10 to 14. And then once they reach 14, they'll either transition into a small group, or they'll go into one of those big teams, depending on where they're going to school.
3: Gotcha. Yeah. Traditionally, with this type of business, training high school teams, training college teams, it sounds phenomenal and and it's such a fun thing to do. But the trouble is that these kids have to go to school. And so, unfortunately, they can only come at certain times and they're pretty reliant on somebody else for a ride to get there. And so a lot of the time, a bigger focus becomes on. The adult population the gen pop sure. mr and mrs jones who can come 50 52 weeks a year three times a week like clockwork and you can rely on their membership revenue month over month over month yes, give me absolutely. an idea of what those clients are typically paying pricing and pricing in our industry is a really interesting thought comparison because there are obviously i mean you know there are $10 a month options and, sure. and you know what comes with that. And there are a sure. thousand plus dollar a month options. Where do you guys fit in that sliding scale? So,
6: in order to answer this question, I need to tell you guys a little bit about where we're demographically located. We're located about 45 minutes South of Nashville, which sounds like a really big city. In um, a lot of the other countries, if you're 45 minutes outside of a major city, you're still kind of in this metropolitan area. And that is not the truth with us. So 45 minutes South of Nashville is going to put you in, in rural and a very rural part of the country. And, and this is where we sit in Columbia, Tennessee. So with that being said, and even though, Murray County where we're located is the fastest growing County in our state right now um, uh, for, for, you know, one reason or the other. And, but we're still a very rural County when it comes down to it. So our pricing structure is going to be a little bit different, probably a little bit lower than what you've had some other folks on, but we offer a premium product in the fact that everybody that walks in our door is getting coached. Like they, have a personal trainer with them. Now we do offer one-on-one personal training for a higher price point, but our membership is going to range anywhere from about eighty-nine a month to uh, one twenty-nine to one forty-nine a month, somewhere along in there.
3: Sure, and and so of course we have to keep local demographics in mind when we're pricing our services. If we're far and above away, what people in our area can afford we're not going to have a business really quickly, Right.
6: No, exactly. Exactly. And so
3: for you guys, the, the interesting question, we know we're a bit below industry-wide sure. standard. For you guys, the interesting question is, <clears throat> did the pricing start there or have we evolved it over time to get to that point?
6: So we've evolved it over time to get to this point, And I, I think I would be doing the listeners a disservice if, if I didn't say that even though our pricing is a little bit lower than what you probably look at from a training facility, uh, we're still in the upper tier of our demographic right. area. Yeah. Uh, so we're still uh, in that in that upper level. Um, so in our demographic, we're fairly expensive. Sure. Uh, and that's the way that our that our pricing structure. Uh, okay. Ha- it works. Sure.
3: Within that model, Drew, how many people do you serve? How many how many people can you fit at one time? And how many people do you think you could handle from a total membership standpoint?
6: So that's a really good question. My mentor, one of my mentors um, is, is Mike Boyle, Strength and Conditioning. And I've always been in awe of how that facility runs and if you've never been there uh, you need to check it out and 30,000 square foot but the thing about that everybody thinks like oh big facility like it's got to be these folks these guys these coaches and, and Mike himself and this system that they've developed they will put 400 people through that facility in two hours mm-hmm. just because it runs like clockwork and so I always was very not only is the training high quality, the logistics uh, is what I started to pay attention to kind of earlier in my career. Like, OK, how does he do this? How does he run a group at five o'clock and then run another group at five fifteen and then run another group at five thirty and get everybody in and get everybody a great experience and get everybody coached? Like, how does this operate? So I started to go up there. I started to go to everything that he put on at that facility, just so that I could go and watch. I was like the bald guy in the corner, like just taking notes and watching stuff. And so that's the way that we operate our facility. We have classes that run, uh, one session, like, um, This afternoon, for instance, or yesterday afternoon, for instance, we had a soccer group that would start at 3 o'clock. We had a softball group that started at 3.30. We had a middle school group that started at 4.00. We had another small group that started at 4.30, and then our adults started at 5.30 that evening. And tonight, we'll run anywhere between 60, between 40 and 60 soccer players through our facility between the hours of five and eight o'clock tonight. So what I really appreciated was this factory-like way that you could get these people through here if you have your logistics and your facility set up the right way.
3: That staggering really, really makes total capacity far greater than if you guys ran a three yeah. o'clock group front to back, a four o'clock group front to back. Yeah. It, it really stretches out what's possible. Yeah. Walk us through the marketing side of this. How are you attracting the type of client that you're looking for to these adult programs?
6: So um, I would be uh, again, doing a, a disservice to the listeners. If I didn't, if I didn't mention another gentleman that's helped us a lot, Vince Gabriel is somebody that, that, I, that I've, that I value as a friend. And, and um, we, we, we chatted a lot um, early on and he was actually a great mentor through coronavirus and and the shutdown and all of those kinds of things. And um, that is pretty much how we're going to market. So he, he taught us a lot about marketing strategy and being in that rural facility, like, uh, excuse me, rural demographic area, we rely a lot on word of mouth. Uh, We rely a ton on word of mouth. So we run a lot of promotional uh, deals where our members go out and get members. Um, That seems to be, and that has worked for us for, for, you know, the eight years that we've been here, the most successful strategies that we've done from a marketing standpoint have come from probably two different things, word of mouth, and then also a strong uh, social media a presence from a standpoint of we're always inviting people into our facility. You can always come in and do a seven day kickstart with us, which is something that Vince taught us is that a free trial, like people that offer a free workout, you can go anywhere and get a free workout, but that doesn't allow that potential member to commit to anything. So when we started offering a seven day kickstart, then we had, we had that member, On the hook, so to speak, for seven days. So we had a lot of communication. And then at the end of the seven days, it makes that selling process really, really easy. It's not a hard sell. It's not, you know, hey, you need to sign up for this and this. It's basically, you've seen what we have. You've seen what we do. You've met all of the wonderful members here. You've got a relationship with a coach to some extent which pricing option fits you the best. So those two things from a marketing strategy have really, really been our bread and butter. Um, Always adapting, always looking at different things. We've tried some six week challenges and they've been, they've been really successful at times. And then it it seems like that type of marketing is, is is kind of dwindling down. Um, So we don't run those as much anymore. Um, But that's the two big things that I would say is that, you know, seven day kickstart and that, that word of mouth and, and targeting, your current members to go out and provide, uh, um, you know, some type of uh, of benefit to getting to getting somebody else to come in and join.
3: Yeah, our industry fitness is traditionally fairly reliant on that word of mouth referral strategy, and for good reason. I mean, at the end of the day, these are for the most part free. Mm-hmm. They know who you are, they like you and they trust you. So the sales process should be fairly seamless and we should be closing 90 plus percent of those types of leads. The the sort of con to that is just that we don't have a ton of control over it. You guys take it one step further and we run some referral type incentivizing, sure, which can push people in that direction, but we still may hit dry spells, if you will, we may get 20 referrals one month, we may get two the next month. So I appreciate your sort of mentality around, this is the meat and potatoes of what we do, but we also supplement with these other things to make sure that we're bringing in new people, right? Right. Regardless of what month it is, because I mean, at the end of the day, nobody has 100% retention. We need as a business to be thinking about the next month and the next month and the next month. And so you guys... You really have to do Ever that. Evolving thing,
6: right? Yeah, and that's one of the biggest things that we learned from Vince is that, um, is that you have to rely um, or have to find this balance between getting new people and making sure that you're still offering great value for your members that have been with you for a long time.
3: Yep. Do you? You mentioned that we use social media. Have you ventured into the paid side of social media or has this been on the organic side?
6: This has been 100% organic from our standpoint. We have not done much. uh, About the only thing that we've paid for is uh, you could boost a post there every now and then. I know you can still do that, but we don't even do that anymore, Um, you know. Uh, there were some Facebook ads that we ran earlier uh, in, you know, a couple years ago that seemed to be kind of the big thing. And we, we tried that a little bit. We tried click funnels, um, and some of those other strategies that are out there, um, and quite honestly, like for us, and it may again just be uh, where we're located demographically, we found a lot more value in, in in going out into our community and being part of our community. Yeah. We're still we he still have a very small town feel, so when there are events in our community, we make sure that we're there. Uh, When, when Christmas parades are, are, are going in our community, we're part of that. Um, And we also help with some sponsorships and stuff to, to keep, to keep that Tome or that top of mind, um, you know, kind of thing going.
3: Yeah. Well, let me, let me ask you this then, as we kind of zoom out on the the sales and marketing funnel, if you will, way up at the top, we've got our leads coming in from wherever, right? Referrals from Facebook, from walk-ins off the street, whatever it may be. Sure. Somewhere down in the middle, we have our sales process and how many of those leads we're actually converting. And then down at the bottom is retention and and how many are staying. Of those three steps, where do you guys think that you have the biggest opportunity?
6: Uh, in in terms of growth or in terms sure. of in okay. terms of
3: what's going to move the needle for your business moving forward?
6: I gotcha. Um, so from that standpoint. When we look at our retention rates, our retention rates are 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 well above what your national average is going to be. And I think most of the time, uh, and this is not a pat on our back, I think most of the time if you operate a training facility or some type of boutique facility or things like that, that's probably going to be the norm. Like your retention is going to be a little bit higher than maybe like your big box facilities and things like that. Right. And so uh, for us uh, in the sales process is the, the closing rate. Um, is is fairly is fairly good for us too. So our job is to, like you said earlier, how do we continue to create leads so that we don't have those dry spells? And we've got enough data now that we can look back and see, okay, January usually pretty good. February usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. March, we're gonna have to supplement a little bit. Um, April, May, uh people are kind of getting out of their routine they're getting ready for the end of the school year here a lot of our stuff is dictated by our by our school years um so when that kind of hits dry now we're in the summer we offer a full sports performance facility not only for teams but for uh kids that that just need a place to work out during the summer so we open it up to college students that are back home for the summer and things of that nature so we kind of notice these little bubbles of where uh of where we dip and 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 kind of wane a little bit so that we can supplement with something else so for us that's going to continue to move our needle i feel like our retention i feel like we have a great product i feel like our retention is 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 pretty good i feel like the fact that we we if people come and try us out uh just based on the fact that we have some awesome members they generally are going to are going to give us a try at least you know for that first three months or whatever that looks like and so our job is to make sure that those leads don't dry up and that we're still constantly going off and again murray county being the the number one growing county in our area right now we've got to figure out ways to attract people that aren't from aren't from around here if you know right. what i mean yeah so that's, that's kind of that's what we're we're working on this year for sure
3: yeah that's the that's the real kicker and believe me there are A whole lot of gym owners that will eventually listen to this that resonate with that sort of thought. How do we get more leads in, but not necessarily just more leads? Because there are any number of services that you could go to and get a thousand leads tomorrow, but the quality of those leads, yikes. Right. How do we get in front of the right people who do want this type of service? Right. I always say to people that we work with, good marketing should repel the wrong type of person just as much as it brings in the right type of of person and so that sounds like it's a big focus for you now drew culture over everything agreed now put us in your your time machine here. take us into the future what is the big picture for game time what are you guys striving for two three five years down the line
6: this is always kind of a fun question, right? Cause yes. I think you're always thinking of it, but then when you get asked that question, it's like, okay, like which, which direction do I want to go here? And I think for us and for me personally, our job five years down the road is for uh, myself to um, I still coach a lot. Uh, I love to coach. It's, it's what I'm good at. I still coach a lot. Um, five years down the road, my job, I think, will change into training other coaches to be um, uh, very, very, uh, very, very effective at their coaching, um, teaching people how to not only train the way that we would like for them to, to coach and train, but develop those interpersonal skills where people want to continue to come here and get trained. So that is. For me personally, my role will probably uh, transition into more of that. So I am always on the lookout for, hey, that's a college athlete that if he doesn't, he he might be good or she may be really good if, If they don't really know what they want to do when they're done with college, I'm going to reach out to them and I'm going to see if they want to start to kind of come in and shadow and see what we do. So we're always in this process of like, how do we bring more quality coaches into our facility so that now I can sit back and work on making sure those leads don't dry up and know that when we do get a quality lead, that they're going to have a quality experience once they get here.
3: Yeah, the the natural evolution of leadership is that at some point we need to start recreating you and having people learn to do what you do now so you can elevate to that next level as well. And the whole business can be elevated as well. And that's the challenge too. Sometimes personally, it's difficult to take a step back and allow other people to step into our role because we're ego people, man. It's, right. it's we every time I talk to a a coach or a gym owner like this, you have to believe that you are the best, if not one of the best, coaches in your facility. And so, for you to take a step back, there may be some growing pains. Mm-hmm, There's sure. inevitably going to be challenges, but for The benefit of the big picture i appreciate that that that's sort of the vision that you guys have in mind in mind now absolutely as we run a bit shy on time here and come towards the end of our episode where can people find out a little bit more about game time and what you guys do
6: so we are if you want to follow game time uh game time sports tn like the abbreviation tennessee at the end game time sports tn um, is going to be, uh, we're on Instagram. You can follow us on Facebook as well. Um, if you're looking for me personally, Drew Massey at Facebook and, uh, Massey strength coach, uh, Massey strength coach on Instagram. Uh, and now with the evolution of trying to attract, uh, some of the uh some of the kids and knowing that that's where like all the high school athletes are going we we are on tiktok at game time training yes. um so uh that kind of started i have an 11 year old daughter i can't not be on a podcast and not talk about my little girl but anyway i have an 11 year old daughter and like she uh, t- by hook or by crook anyway got an account and I was like okay like I gotta I gotta monitor this <laughs> a little bit so I didn't want to be like that dad that was like oh like you shouldn't be doing like Just so I kind of yeah so like I kind of bra- embraced it where I was like okay show me this dance or whatever so that kind of started that on hers so that she wouldn't be uh you know leery on letting me see what's 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 coming through there but then yeah. also realizing that hey my daughter is 10-11 years old and uh Her friends are 10 and 11 years old, and they're going to be looking for a place to train at some point if they're an athlete. So we probably need to jump on this
3: on this little thing too. So uh, we don't post a lot on there, but we are there.
6: And the reality
3: is, she probably knows the operation system far more than you or I. Oh, one thousand
6: percent. I hope come show me how to do this. Like how do you make this right? Absolutely. absolutely well to everyone who
3: tuned in make sure we connect with drew and the game time team on as many platforms as he just listed drew it's been awesome to host this conversation man i appreciate your insight and uh i hope to see you guys do well i want to check in again in the future with you if if that's all right with you i would love for you to uh and and again thank you for having me on it's an honor to be
6: on this it's we you know we've you were not a name that we didn't know when, 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 uh, when I got the invite. So we we listened to your podcast and gotten a lot of good takeaways and things like that from there. So it's just an honor to be on here. And if I can help anybody out there, please feel free to reach out either, you know, Facebook, uh, Instagram message that that'll all work. And my email is train at game time, sports, TN.com. I'll be happy to answer, or help out anything I can do.
3: There it is. Well, my man, thank you. To everyone who tuned in today, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model in the fitness industry, click the link in the description and our team will be in touch with you soon. As always, until next time, Jim Lord's out.